Hey guys, this is Jeff. Just wanted to drop you a quick message before you listen to this upcoming episode. We did encounter a little bit of blips in the audio recording this episode. Polt and I were actually together face to face. So because of that, we had a lot of fun, didn't want to cut a new episode and wanted to bring that to you guys. So we apologize in advance for any hiccups that there might be in the audio, but we thank you as always for listening to The Real Steel and we'll be back again with you soon for hopefully a cleaner episode next time. Thanks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Real Steel Podcast, where we talk all things Pittsburgh Steelers. No BS, just the real steel. And today, we are joining you, not live, but together, from a hotel lobby in Portsmouth, Virginia. Paul, I'm looking right at you. What's going on, man? Not much, man. This is definitely a different a different feeling and having to sit like across the room from each other so our mics doesn't pick each other up is definitely different but i think it'll be fun which i think they still are but it's all right we're gonna roll with it yeah so sorry about that if that's in the background but we're trying our best yeah so Polt and i decided to do a uh spur of the moment kind of meet up and hang out about halfway between us and so we're here we're chilling we are ready to bring you some uh, some Steelers news and updates and and a little bit of what we thought would be kind of a fun episode at this point in in the offseason or in the preseason. So well, we talked about doing a little bit of a positional breakdown, kind of looking at this year's depth chart versus last year's depth chart and thinking about where we're better, where we're worse, or where we're the same. And I think we're going to step through each of our positional groups um, and go ahead and do that and kind of give us an outline of what we can expect for this year um, in terms of where we've improved or, or you know, gotten worse or nothing really has happened. So does that sound good to you? I think that would, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Do you, should we um, go through all the, the small pickups and, and drops we've done in the past couple, couple weeks since we yeah. last talked? Um, so I don't know. I guess we would have landed right around the middle of May. Um, so I think we recently talked about Mason Rudolph getting his contract and becoming the, as you say, the the top third stringer in the in the league. Um, the other big thing we did right that same day was we released a Kello Witherspoon. I don't know if we touched on that. Kello Witherspoon is now not on the team, so that's a loss to the cornerback room. But at the same time, he was hurt all last year and didn't play that well. Yeah. Um, and then we signed an offensive tackle named Dylan Cook. I know nothing about him. They officially gave Mitch Trubisky his new three-year contract extension. Um, they released a bunch of guys that they had in like the extra roster room that you have in the offseason. But the big one was uh, May 24th, we signed Marcus Golden to a one-year contract. And Marcus Golden's a veteran defensive uh, outside linebacker, I guess, edge guy. He's 32 years old. Played um he's played for Arizona and, and the Giants uh, in his seven year career or I guess nine year career, um, and he's he, we now picked him up and I think it's a really good veteran veteran hire and uh, he'll he'll back up Highsmith and and TJ Watt. Yeah, and I think the biggest things out of everything you said, right? The Akella Witherspoon release. I, I think is is pretty notable. It it shows that we have some positive developments out of the rookies um that yeah. we got in the draft with Joey Porter Jr. and, and Corey. I think that's that's positive news for us shedding money and and you know gonna rely on some of these younger I think the Mitch restructuring is huge or the, or signed to a new contract at least. Um yeah. I, I've I've seen a lot of posts here um through social media and stuff that basically talk about how close Mitch and Kenny have become 
they're buds. Um, they're, they're yeah. good friends. And, and that is like really, really helpful to have in a quarterback room. So, uh, the trio's back, Kenny Mitchell Mason and, uh, Steelers are, I, I think we're pretty set at the quarterback room. Um, yeah. we'll talk about that in, in just a second, but the other moves that happened, um, as of late, um, we released Anthony Miller, right? One of our, our wide receivers that was kind of a roster fringe guy is kind of floating yeah. around the practice squad or, you know, got elevated a few games last year, I think. Um, and then a few other small signings, uh, a linebacker, a long snapper and, and Scott Nelson is a safety we released as well. Well, I think that Nick Kwiatkowski signing is not as small as you would think. He's a middle linebacker that has a good amount of experience um, in the NFL and, I think it's just another person. He's actually from Bethel Park, Pennsylvania. Um, so right outside Pittsburgh. So it's a hometown kid. He's played in seven years in the NFL. Uh, last year playing with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, he he played in 12 games, didn't start any games, didn't really do a whole lot. But I think it's a depth signing that could be could be for some special teams help, um, maybe as well as some middle linebacker help. So and just another addition to the middle linebacker room from from last year. Local guy, WVU guy. Pretty cool. Um, yeah, that, that's awesome. Um, it's, it's key to have some of those depth players. And I think, like you said, special teams is probably where this guy will play more of a role. Um, so we'll yeah. see what happens. All right. I think that's good for news. Do you want to go ahead and, and jump into, um, jump into some of these positional groups and see what we can get out of this? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's do it. I think we start big. I think we start with, with quarterback room. Well, and, and we're basing this off of this year what it is right now, who's on the roster right now, who was on the roster to begin last year. Yeah. Let's, let's set the stage a little bit. I think this is who's on the roster now and kind of our predictions, I guess, for who's going to be on that 53 and who's going to, you know, be in those key, key roles on the depth chart. And then, yeah, based on, on last year. So when we talk about wide receiver, right, we'll talk about Claypool and we'll talk about Sid how that wide receiver three position moved a little bit. Um, But yeah, just, just so we can get on a level playing field. That's kind of our projections for this year based on where we were last year. So cool. That sounds good. All right. Yeah. Let's get in. So let's, let's start quarterback. So obviously our, our, our trio there with Kenny, Mitch and Mason. Um, If you look at it purely on paper of just names, it's a total wash, right? Same three guys. Now I think you argue that there is, a level of improvement within this room just because Kenny's in his sophomore year, the band is back together. There's, there's a lot of reliability and accountability on these three guys being together and acting as one unit and having some of that cohesion um, rather than Kenny getting thrown into the mix last year. But I think for the sake of this argument or not argument discussion, I would probably say that this is a push here just because on paper, you have the same three guys. Although I think in my head I know it gets better, but what about yeah. you? And and I have to I have to argue it's better, and and that's only because I mean we now know Kenny Pickett is the true number one quarterback. Kenny Pickett's put on a bunch of weight, which is a huge improvement from last year. Mitch Trubisky comes into the year knowing that he's going to be the backup and and not trying to fight for the starting job. And the same thing with Mason Rudolph. Even I mean he he's not coming in thinking he might have a chance for the starting job. He knows his role. He knows he's the third quarterback, and I think that's a huge positive. They all have defined roles. And they're all a year older with the team. And so I have to say that I think it gets better having Pickett as the QB one at this point of the year, as opposed to last year. I get that. So, so you're kind of saying knowing where everyone sits on the depth chart is, is what 
makes you say that things got better there. Yeah, that and, and the fact that we we know Kenny's already improved this offseason just in his stature and his weight. And I think that will be a huge jump for him. So I think he is a as a player, as a athlete, has just gotten better, which makes the the room better. Got you. Okay, cool. I'm good with that. Let's let's look at running back because I think and you know with the quarterbacks actually thinking about this, you know the rule change, right? That you now have an emergency third third quarterback. Oh, so um, Mason will always dress. Yeah, or it's one of those like the emergency goalie in hockey. I don't oh. know if he dresses like only dresses if he needs to, but he could play this year now. And this is all because of the San Francisco 49ers issue in the playoffs against the Eagles when both their quarterbacks got hurt and Brock Purdy couldn't throw the ball and was playing. And that's why they did it. So Mason Rudolph could play, which is actually makes that signing even more important. Or it could does it mean um like let's say Kenny goes down in the first quarter and Mitch is in and at halftime Mason can go dress to to kind of do you know what a, if that means that? Or yeah, it says that you have to be on the third you have to be on the 53 man roster um in order to do it the, uh, let me see real quick if i can see this so basically the quarter third yeah. quarterback doesn't have to be like a healthy scratch anymore correct okay but they don't but they don't go against the the guys you're dra- you're dressing got you it's like an extra person you get to dress so yeah i think he will get to dress Got you. Cool. Oh, I like that. I mean, that's that's really valuable, and and that's that's good for the team. So I I just think having these three guys, I think it's pretty rare. I don't know. I shouldn't say it's rare, but I think it's it's pretty unique that we have the same three guys come back. I think a lot of times that doesn't happen with teams. Um, usually there's at least one guy that turns over, and then you look at these teams with turmoil at the quarterback position. Yeah. Don't have any idea what's going on. They might have three new guys in that quarterback room. So yeah. Um, this is huge for us. So I'm happy here. All right, let's move to running back because I think this is one where we could probably banter back and forth a little bit about what's going on. So obviously we look at what it is today and I think you're going to have a one, two, three of Najee, Jalen Warren and Anthony McFarland. That is to me in my mind, your starting three with a fullback, probably of Connor Hayward. Yep. So if you compare that to last year, you look at Najee. Jalen was like the dark horse, and he was really more of the RB3. Yeah. And Benny Snell was probably your RB2 last year. And then Derek Watt at fullback. Yep. I'm going to let you lead in here because I have to get my thoughts together. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to guess separate the two. Well, I mean, fullback's the easy one. I, I think uh, from a, it's it's tough because we don't really use fullback that much. So it, you got to think about how we utilize them and, and how we utilize Derek Watt was not at all, basically. But as a fullback itself, I think we took a step down because Connor Hayward is not a true fullback and he's trying to transition into that role. But I think there's huge upside because I think Connor Hayward could really add some passing attack uh, positives and be better than Derek Watt in that regard and, and maybe do a few things differently. So I think in that regard, it, it could be a positive for the potential, but right off the bat, I think it's, I think it's a negative. At fullback. I think I'd probably say the same thing. I think the upside is, is likely to be seen, but it might take a little while for anything to kind of transpire there. And yeah, just from a player caliber, Connor Hayward, 
probably a step down from Derek Watt just at at that. But yeah. but running back, I think now we have to be cognizant of the same argument we made right because there has been changes with the depth chart i think Jalen yeah. was a three and now he's the two but i think he's proven to be better than both anthony mcfarlane and benny snell and you know me i i think benny snell is trash so uh, I, is anthony mcfarlane better i don't know i think what i'm gonna say for this is is probably a wash or a push at running back i actually am gonna say we went we went down I think this, I think we actually got worse. Um, and, and here's my reasoning. I agree. The top two, Jalen Warren being the distinguished number two, is huge. Um, in the beginning of last year, I thought Benny Snow was bad as well. He played pretty well when he had to play last year. But here, here's where I think we're worse. Anthony McFarland's the number three running back. He, has he been healthy a full season yet? I, I don't think so. So then you're you're trying to go further down the depth chart as your number three running back, and I think number three running back is an important position. And, and, and so that's where we're going to go more into the depths of guys like Jason Huntley or Alfonso Graham or Darius Hagens, these guys we've picked up this spring to give tryouts to. They might have to come off the practice squad and be our third running back, and I think that's a little scary. So for that reason, I think we've gotten worse. Fair enough. You're going on the, under the assumption that Anthony McFarland is not going to stay healthy this season. Correct, because he hasn't yet, and, and so that scares me a little bit. All right. Fair enough. I, I think that's I think that's a good assumption to make. Um, we know what we have with Najee. We know what we have with Jalen Warren, and so the the RB three can can really play a pivotal role in a game, though, because absolutely, it's uh, the running back position is one that gets I would say injured pretty frequently. Yeah, and there were a lot of times where Najee got pulled out. And, and, you know, you're relying on some of those other guys. Now, if that's Jalen Warren that's stepping into that bell cow rule, if Najee goes down, I think that's fine. But then it's the argument of who's the RB2 behind him. Right. And so if you're saying that that's someone who is lacking experience or, or whatever, I mean, I think this is a position where I was expecting the Steelers to bring someone in, and we Me never too. did. So Well, it's, it's weird. They liked Master Teague last year, especially in, in camp, and then they cut him which is kind of interesting. Yeah. And Master Teague was just cut a couple weeks back. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about wide receiver. I'm excited for this one. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Because we have a couple of new acquisitions here. Or a couple, uh, I'd say a couple more pieces. Um, <clears throat> obviously, you look at your your one, two, three last year was Deontay Johnson, George Pickens and Chase Claypool start of the yep. season, right? As Claypool got traded, Steven Sims moved into that three. So we can talk a little bit about the flexibility there with those one, two, threes. We know Claypool sucked <laughs> to put it lightly. Yeah. What a trade that was. We were pretty high on Steven Sims, but I think he was underutilized he was. and I think his ceiling wasn't as high as some of the other guys that that we have now. Yeah. So while I'm I'm sad that he is gone, I think it's a good personnel move. And he yeah, again, his ceiling was was lower than some of the other guys that we'll bring in. Can we also bring up that Gunnar Olaszewski was kind of like a backup that was seeing time early in the year last year? Jet sweep. 
I mean, I think that's really important to mention that he was actually like a top five receiver for us or maybe a top six receiver. For, yeah, no, I think, yeah, if you look at the depth chart, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Steven Sims, and Gunner, and then Miles Borkin, Boykin. So he was a top five receiver for us. And I think that's bad. We, we've seen what Gunner can do. So you can obviously see where I'm leaning. With Now we're, so we lose Claypool, we lose Sims, we somehow keep Gunnar Olszewski, we lose Anthony Miller, but we've now gained Allen Robinson, Calvin Austin, and Hakeem Butler. And and I think those three guys and Gunner moving further down the depth chart and maybe potentially not making the team, I think makes this wide receiver room better. Allen Robinson's a veteran presence that will be a good red zone target for us. And everything you we heard out of minicamp and, and OTAs is Calvin Austin is back. He looks so fast. Patrick yeah. Peterson is is speaking really highly of him. And, and I have a lot, a lot of hope for Calvin Austin this season. So really with Robinson and Calvin Austin, I think we took a, a big step forward. We're more dangerous in the middle in the slot game. Now after, because after we lost Juju last year, the slot really didn't do anything for us. So I think that will be, that'll be a huge addition. And then I, I'm interested to see if Akeem Butler makes the team and if he can add some, some depth for our, our receiver room. Yeah. We're, we're going to talk about line in a couple minutes here. But I say that because I think we've made huge improvements on the offensive line, but I think that the wide receiver room has seen the most improvement of all positional groups. Hmm. That's an interesting argument, but I, I, yeah, I see that. I that's see my that. hot take. And I know, I know again, we're, we're going to talk about the line here and, and that's, that might be where, you know, others might say that, but I think you look at the one and two, of Deontay Johnson and George Pickens is the same, but the elevation at that three position to me is so big. I think Allen Robinson, he, you know, he's spending time just with Kenny one-on-one and they're practicing together. I think in Jersey, um, that's there. Yeah. And, and Allen Robinson is speaking so highly of Kenny and his leadership abilities. And Allen Robinson, like you said, is, is a, a veteran presence. I mean, I think the jump, at the the third wide receiver is so big. I think the jump at the fourth wide receiver is just as big again under yeah. the expectations that Calvin Austin is going to be the guy. And then probably your jump at the fifth receiver too, whether that's Hakeem Butler or maybe we actually get to see more Miles Boykin. I mean, he's he's a big presence in it could be a big big presence in red zone. We know yeah. Miles Boykin is, you know, a, a seasoned veteran, so I think those guys at three, four, and five are much bigger lifts than anything else. So I yeah. think that this is a hundred percent an improvement. And for me, one of the biggest improvements on our roster. Yeah, and and maybe a name to keep in mind. We've touched on him, we touched on him a couple of weeks ago. Um, an undrafted free agent signing. I, I don't know if you keep seven receivers, I'm not sure. But he could be a return specialist. Jordan Bird maybe could get some some trick play or, or different kind of, of stuff in the offense. So maybe an eye to keep like somebody to keep an eye on um, to maybe be a flashy guy to, to make the team, which would add some depth as well. So yeah, I I think your take is makes a lot of sense. So traditionally the Steelers have kept six, right? Yeah. So so Pickens, Johnson, Allen Robinson, Calvin Austin, I think are a certain four. I think, I think Boykin is in there as well because of his special teams ability. Me too. And the reason they signed him for a year and all that. So I think you're yes. looking at the sixth between Hakeem Butler, 
Jordan Bird, and quite frankly, Gunner. Yes, I agree. I don't think we'll keep seven. I think we keep six, and it's those three guys. And two of those three guys, I'd be stoked if it's if it's them. If it's yeah. Gunner, that sucks. Yeah, he, they they just should cut him. I I don't know. Maybe he's too big of a cap hit or something. If they cut him, I don't I don't know why he's on the team still. He he gives you no value. His time is up. Yes, I agree. All right, you want to talk tight end? Yeah, let's move on. That was good All receiver right. talk, though. Good receiver talk. All right, tight end. This is a fun one, too, because number one obviously stays the same with Pat Fryermuth. Last year, Zach Gentry and Connor Hayward were our tight end two and three. We know we utilize Zach Gentry primarily in blocking roles. Although, yeah. for some reason, he would like randomly get a six-yard catch and then fall over. He's a he's a truck. Zach Gentry? Yes. Yeah, he, he, there's no run after the catch ability there. He probably has a league low yak. That has to. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And then Connor Hayward. Connor Hayward is so interesting, I think. We, we saw some flashes from him. We saw what he can do. He's not a huge guy. No. And, you know, we talked about he might move into more of a fullback role now and, and a, you know, a fullback tight end hybrid type role. Who knows? But I think the reason that that happens is because of what happened in our offseason this year through the draft is you bring in Darnell Washington. Yeah. So changes everything right and i i think darnell washington is going to be your tight end too and zach gentry is going to fall to the you know to the fringe and and be a special teams guy and maybe get put in for certain two tight end sets that have you know blocking schemes so you go from pat zach gentry and connor hayward to pat darnell washington and zach gentry what do you think i mean i think that's a huge step up yeah, just the pure potential of, Dar- of Darnell Washington, both in the passing game and in the and in the and in the running game, I think it's a huge step up. Um, and and I don't know, I feel like Zach Gentry is still going to get some good amount of snaps. I don't know if Pat Fryermuth snaps come down a little bit um, in some of these run run situations. Uh, Gentry is a very valuable um, run blocker. But Darnell Washington just changes that entire room. I mean, he gives us a huge red zone threat. I, I really like what his potential could be in the passing game. And then he's a truck in the run game. And I think that is entirely what we need, especially if we're going to run two tight end sets. And I think that the improvement is is really, really big. This might be, I don't know, I think the Darnell Washington improvement could be the biggest one on the team. Yeah. So if if you haven't listened to our post-draft recap, our last episode, Go back and listen to that. We talked a good bit about Darnell Washington and what we think he's going to bring to the team. So I'm with you. I think his his addition, he's going to be a huge red zone threat. He also is a really strong blocker and and promotes that about himself. Yeah. Right. He comes in, I think you said he likes to call himself the sixth offensive lineman or something. Correct. So having Darnell Washington in there that has hands but also can block really well, it's yeah. it's to me an elevation over a Zach Gentry. And well, so and he really wants to be good in the passing game. If you look at his quotes from uh, OTA and minicamp, it, he said he gave himself a C minus or, or a C plus or a B minus. And he said that's because he, he needs to really work on his route running and some of the nuances in, in the receiving game. And, and so you can tell he has that mind so that he needs to get better and wants to get better. And I think that's huge. And I think he'll, he will get better and be really, really good. 
Yeah, I hope so. Um, that's a good transition to move us into the line. How do you want to do this? Do you want to break it down by tackle guard center or do you just want to go kind of the line all together? I think we do the line all together because they kind of work together, right? Okay. So last year, starting left side to right side, your five key line personnel were Dan Moore Jr., Kevin Dotson, Mason Cole, James Daniel, and Chukes Okorafor. Yes. And we talked about the line, what we thought was going to be uh, fifth worst in the league or so <laughs> going into the season, right? Everyone expected yes, our done. offensive line to be pretty shitty. And we ended up being middle of the pack. Right. Because these guys stayed healthy and they played together. And you just don't see that out of an offensive line. So looking back at the very beginning of the season, I think we had poor expectations and it, it proved to be better than what we thought. For sure. Long story short, I think there are significant improvements that were made to that, and that's going to make us even better there. Yeah, and and to your point, that offensive line stayed healthy last year, which you you can't account for. You don't you can't, that's not going to happen this year. Not to be a Debbie Downer, but things regressed to the mean, and, and the amount of games missed on our offensive line was so small last year that I think we're going to miss some games on the offensive line. But that's where I think, in my reasoning, why we got better. We added Broderick Jones and Isaac Sayomolo, which are huge additions on the starting line. But it also moves guys like Dan Moore, who had an okay year. I mean, he wasn't good last year, but he was he was okay. It puts him at a backup role. And then we also bring in like a guy like Nate Herbig, who also is a pretty good backup guard and can play a lot of different positions and be pretty solid. And then in addition, Kevin Dotson then moves to a backup if he even makes the team. And, and so I think it just gives us more depth, um, especially if those injuries do occur this year. I think we have better depth than we had last year. I mean, last year, if you look at who our backups were, J.C. Hassan, I was the backup center. That's not bad. Kendrick Green was the backup guard. Jesse Davis, who I don't even know if I know who that is, and Trent Scott were the other backups. I, I just don't see any talent there. Whereas with Nate Herbig, Kevin Dodson, Dan Moore, little Raven Clark is our swing tackle. I think we have a little bit, and Spencer Anderson, even if maybe on the practice squad, our seventh round pick. I, I just think the we got two really good starters, and then we got a lot more depth, which I think is going to come in handy this year. I think so too. You mentioned LaRaven Clark. I think he's a, a key depth piece. And to me, I think the the biggest thing here, we're laughing because there's people you kind of yelling at each other in the hotel lobby. So, uh, hey, this is what we get for recording in, in a lobby. And I think our audio is going to be crap, but it is what it is. Um, That's okay. At least for this episode. Listeners, we'll, we'll get it back. We'll be back in the studio, you know, for the next episode. So we'll be all right. Um, but I, I think the key piece here at the offensive line, yes, you could argue Broderick Jones, like we went out and we drafted our offensive lineman, but I think it's going to be Isaac Sayamalu. This yeah. this guy, if you if you read or if you listen to what people like Jason Kelsey, who were on that Eagles offensive line with him, say about him, they say that it's he's crazy. one of the best players that they've ever played with. So this big, lovable teddy bear of a Polynesian man <laughs> is going to be so fun to watch in a Steelers uniform with the Paul Malu type hair hanging out of his helmet. And yeah. He is like a proven guy that that is going to be a, a keystone on this offensive line for us. Um, and and to move over a guy like Kevin Dotson 
um, that is a, a huge level up. Now, I said that that wide receiver, I think, is still where we have the biggest improvement, but line line is second to me. I think this is yeah. 100% an improvement. Um, and I, I think the only thing that worries me now about our line, which if you asked me this question last year, what worries me about our line, I would probably say everything. If you asked me <laughs> this year, what worries me about line, it's probably just the center position. And Mason Cole played really, really well last year and hoping he can play well again. But if he goes down, I oh, think man. that is tricky because then you're trying to plug in someone like Kendrick Green, who we know sucks, or Spencer yeah. Anderson, who would be a rookie that doesn't have a lot of experience playing center and, and he's played all positions on the line. Correct. Um, so, so that's something that worries me, but I'd rather be worried about one depth piece than be worried about five depth pieces like I was last year. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, that completely goes into what I was saying with the whole depth and yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. All right. So I think we should cut it short. Just leave this at offense. We looked yeah. at defense in our next episode, give our listeners a, a, a little break from us for a while again. Yeah, I do got to say, uh, I ran into a couple of the the Steelers, the new acquisitions, I guess, to the team. Oh, how about um, it? And it it was Nate Herbig, his brother Nick Herbig, and Keanu Benton. And I just got to say, if you look at what people are saying out of camp, Larry Okunjobi, Larry Larry Okunjobi said that Keanu Benton's going to be a beast. Spoke really, really highly of him. And I just got to say, seeing him in person, not in pads, he is a big man, a big man. His biceps his arms are gigantic and he just looked like a mountain of a human being which makes me really really excited to see what he can do on the football field with pads on and trying to destroy offensive linemen so i just wanted to throw that in there it, it made me feel more and more excited about our our second round draft pick keanu benton what'd you say yesterday his his arms are bigger than your head oh my goodness they're definitely bigger than my head yeah, yeah you got a he, pretty big head so yeah he, he's a he's a thick man which is, <laughs> which is awesome that's exactly what we need I'm just kidding, but uh, you know that's 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 pretty dope to to run into some of those guys. Although you suck, you didn't even get a picture. You didn't even say anything. Yeah, you know I didn't need to approach them out in public. They were having a good time, and I will say uh, Nate Herbig had a Houston Astros hat on. Um, I know we have some Houston people listen who listen to the podcast, but I don't know. I don't know if I like him wearing an Astros hat, considering they're cheaters. But that's a whole another topic. I just can't believe like you didn't even pass them a little business card and ask if they want to come on the pod. <laughs> yeah, it was a little awkward. I was, I was sitting with my back to them and they were in the corner of the bar and, and I didn't want to be that guy that goes up to them and fanboys over them or whatever. And it was hard to turn around and take a picture because then it would have been really obvious. I was taking a picture of them. So I tried to play it low key and, you know, just kept, kept an eye out on them. The question is, did anyone go up to them throughout the night? Yeah, people went up to them. But they were pretty cool. Like they sat at a table with a bunch of other people that they didn't know, like random people, and they seemed pretty cool about it. So they seemed like pretty good guys that were pretty chill and didn't really care. Also, some of they're all new players, so unless you follow the Steelers pretty closely, you, you might, might not have, know. Yeah, some people I was with had no idea. So I knew just because of how much I follow them and and how I knew because of Nick or Nate Herbig and the Nick Herbig was pretty obvious as well. So it was cool. You should have at least just dropped a. Good luck this season, guys. I can't believe you didn't say anything. Yeah, I, n I never got up when they were there, so they weren't there that long. All right. Oh, well, next time, Yeah. hopefully. Hopefully, next time. All right, so let's do a real quick recap just to run through these positions to tie things, tie up our loose ends here. Quarterback, I said push. Holt, you said, said we got better. 
Running back, I also said push. You said we got I worse. Said worse. Fullback, we both agreed a step worse. down, worse. Wide receiver, both improvements. Definitely. Tight end, both improvements. Definitely. And offensive line, both improvements. Yes. So we had a lot of agreements, but a couple similar similar or differences at the, the beginning of that. So And we're not too far off, right? I understand no. the logic behind quarterback and it's not like at running back one said way better, one said way worse. Like we're no. we're pretty close here. So um yeah. I, I think holistically, let's let's wrap it up here with kind of the question question of the day then would be all that said and done with all the positional groups, offense. Better. Better, worse, or push. Better. Hundred percent? Hundred percent better. Hundred ten percent. Yeah, has to be. I mean, we, we have shown our identity. We want to run the ball. And what did we do? We got better in the running game. Darnell Washington, Isaac Saramolo, Broderick Jones. But we also gave Kenny an opportunity to maybe have more weapons to grow and get better. And and I'm so excited about Kenny's potential growth in year two that, yeah, we got better. Can't say it any better than that. Totally agree. And uh, it's going to be a good year for the offense. I yeah. wonder if Matt Canada got any better, though. Oh, my goodness. I don't know. This is actually a good thing to talk about since we're talking about offense. Did you see his recent interview with the last week or so? What do you say? He's not changing anything, um, right? No, I heard I heard Pat McAfee talk about it, and he basically said that this is year three of his buildup and kind of talked about it like they were in college, like they've been working towards this stage for three years. And it's like that's not really how the NFL works. But he claims the offense is going to be more dynamic, and he said that we basically have shown our cards that we want to run the ball. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting interview. He's all he's wearing his he's wearing his straw hat and his sunglasses and typical Mac Canada in the summer. But I, it didn't give me warm fuzzies listening to him talk. So we'll see. He's the biggest question mark on the offense. Personnel wise, we got better. Offense as a whole, I think that's a TBD because of Mac Canada. What a weird guy. Such a weird guy. So if you see Matt Canada at a bar, would you go up to him and say something? No, because I would only have negative things to say, and I wouldn't want to do that in public. Pour your beer in his face or something? Maybe in passing, just you know, throw some water on him or something. Yeah. I don't think he would show his face at a bar because I don't think he would get a good reception. Yeah, good riddance. I agree. And especially after what Todd Haley did a few years ago, probably <laughs> don't want to go to the bar. Fair enough. All right, man. Let's wrap it up here. This is a good talk. It's nice being face to face. Yeah, this was fun. We'll have to um for next time figure out a, a maybe a better way to record so we don't have to sit halfway across the hotel lobby from each other. Or maybe yeah. we don't record in a hotel lobby. But no, this was fun. This was a good change of pace and I enjoyed it. I hope we can do this more often. All right, me too. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. We appreciate it. We'll be back in uh hopefully a few weeks time with a, a rundown of the defense positional groups. And uh in the meantime, take care. Yeah, thanks everyone. Peace.